Hey, Miles. Yeah, Cam? Have you ever heard of Undone? If you want to destroy my sweater, just hold this thread as I walk away. Oh. Hello, people of the internet, and welcome back to the Rosa Salazar Appreciation Station. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, have you ever heard of? I'm Cam. And I'm Miles. And this week we are covering the first two episodes of the Amazon series Undone. For those of you who might not have heard of it, Undone is an animated series brought to us by Raphael, Bob Wakesberg, and Kate Purdy. If those names sound familiar to some of you, that's because they made another original animated series on a different streaming platform. In Undone, we are following Alma Winograd Diaz, portrayed by Rosa Salazar. Hey, a- isn't isn't she the girl from uh, Alita? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, okay. Miles, she is. Yes, she is. <laughs> uh, Alma is a young woman who finds her very concept of reality being turned upside down after a traumatic car accident. Can she recover, and how much will previous traumas aid or impede her journey? All right, Miles, so what do you think so far? Well, this is definitely an interesting show. I love the idea and the concept of it. I would almost go as far to say as this is almost a completely original idea. You would almost go that far? So yes. what? what is stopping you from... <laughs> I feel like there are tropes kind of played around the whole thing where you get superpowers when you get in an accident ah yes uh but in terms that this isn't really a superpower and uh they kind of walk that line where what is real and what isn't uh, is super well done Mm -hmm. your use of the term superpower is (laughs) i never thought of it that way that is a Certainly a good way to look at it. I'm going to hold on to that when we get back into the uh, <laughs> other things that uh, are standing out as things that you are enjoying so far. Well, personally, I love rotoscoping. I've loved it ever since Betty Boop, um, mm. <laughs> which is way before my time. But Yeah, way before both of our times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I do really like the idea of rotoscoping. And I think that it so far from what I've seen, mm-hmm. it's perfect for this show. An interesting thing that I didn't know, um, but is part of like uh, the, the behind-the-scenes trivia stuff that Amazon does for their shows, is that they actually state that while rotoscoping is something that was done, you know, on a per-episode basis for cartoons and things like that, or maybe every so often you might have a rotoscoping episode for a, a show or something, just uh, you know, for the heck of it. There has never been a show that has been from a conceptual basis on up completely rotoscoped so undone is a first of its kind in that way yes uh, i quite enjoy it i i don't know what else to say about it like if you don't know what rotoscoping is just look it up on youtube (laughs) basically the whole idea behind it is you take the actors Mm -hmm. and uh, they act out the scene Yep, and you film them. And then you film them, and then you take those screens from the actual film, and you 
draw a cartoon around it. Yep. Uh, one of the most famous rotoscoping things that I, well, I shouldn't say famous. One of the ones that stands out to me the most is with Betty Boop mm-hmm. uh, doing Sleeping Beauty, I think it was. And uh, they have uh, this ghost dancing behind yeah. her. And uh, that ghost is actually a person dancing, like in real life, filmed. And then they rotoscoped over it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful thing that kind of blurs that line between what is a cartoon and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Because the movement becomes so realistic. My first, um, I guess, actual understanding of rotoscoping actually comes from video games. Because the original Prince of Persia was done through rotoscoping. I guess I shouldn't say that the game itself was rotoscope because it's not because they didn't have the processing power back in the 80s. But the way they were able to get all of the jumping and the stride and everything like that, that was done by... Um, by the filming of somebody. Yeah, uh, I think, I think it was... Digital file, yeah, right? I think it was the guy... Uh, his name escapes me and someone will have to tell me <laughs> after afterwards. Um, but the guy who created Prince of Persia, he filmed his brother, who was a martial artist, I believe, and he got him to, you know, just like go for, you know, run, walk, uh, and then, you know, leap and get him to do the sword fighting stuff. And he filmed all of that, and then he rotoscoped it so that he had an animation that he could follow and map for the game. And honestly... That's pretty awesome to get what we got for a game that came out in uh, the late 80s, I believe it was. I think it was mid to late 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a very big deal for gaming at the time. Um, so, yeah, that that was like my first kind of introduction to rotoscoping. But we'll move on to the, a little bit more of that a little bit later. But for right now, Miles, is this a show that you think you would recommend to other people at this stage of the show? Um, well, that's a tough one for me because the first episode, it really doesn't do a whole lot um, mm. in terms of plot forward, I guess you could say. Yeah. It, I understand you do have to introduce the characters. And unfortunately, a lot of the people I know, they don't stick out TV shows as much as they used to. Really? Yeah. I've noticed that with a lot of people, and a lot of the shows I like, you basically have to get involved with it. Like, you have to make that conscious decision of, okay, I'm going to watch, oh, I don't know, BoJack Horseman. Mm -hmm. And if you just watch one or two episodes of it, it's not that great. But if you just kind of let it go and just watch it and take it all in, then you start to realize that it's actually something pretty amazing. (laughs) <laughs> I and, feel like that uh, depends on which two episodes of BoJack Horseman you well, watch. Well, the first two. That's tr- yeah, that's you, a good. You should always yeah, start at the beginning, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drop you right into the middle of season three. Who are all these people? Well, you're going to have to start from the beginning to find out. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. But uh, in reality, I do. I I would probably recommend this movie or this uh, this show to people. Mm-hmm. But. It would be kind of a difficult thing to recommend just from the first couple episodes. Okay, that's fine. Are there specific things even just within the two episodes that would make it a harder sell or an easier sell for certain people? 
Well, I could definitely see it uh, just the whole playing on what is reality thing mm -hmm. being very difficult for a lot of people. Okay. Um, some people don't like the idea that when you tell them re reality is relative, they don't they don't like that, <laughs> you know. So when you show them like, hey, look, time isn't a, a so what do you call it? Like a, a straight arrow. Yeah, right. It kind of bends around and does its own thing. They don't like that <laughs> because it. It, I guess, you could contribute it to stubbornness, but uh, I don't know. It's that would be a, that would definitely be a hard sell. Uh, an easy sell would actually be the actors and actresses. They do a really good job on this so far. Mm, yeah, they play very convincing characters. Okay, well, I I definitely know that one of the reasons why I started. Well, I didn't even. Look into what the heck the show was about. I saw that Rosa Salazar was in it, and I said, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> of course. Of course. How many times have I seen Alita? Too many times, I think you feel. <laughs> On that note, uh, we're going to pop away for a little bit, and then when we come back, it'll be spoiler time, and we're going to dig into this. So if you've got Amazon Prime, or if you uh, have some other way of finding this, I would... Recommend you go out and watch at least the first two episodes and then uh, come back and join us. But for now, enjoy the uh, sweater song. <laughs> oh, God. All right, welcome back, everyone. And we're going to dive into the first, I, I consider it an arc of Undone. I mean, in a way, the way these two, ep the first two episodes are structured almost feels like if this was on a CBS sh channel or something like that, that this would have been the, the opening pilot or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it would have been like the, the one hour special. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. To get you hooked to come back. But since this is for streaming, you were probably just going to sit there and watch all eight episodes in one go anyways, because what are you doing for the next four hours? You're watching... Not sleeping <laughs> like you should be. <laughs> exactly. All right. So a little bit of a deeper synopsis for these two episodes. Alma Winograd Diaz is, in her words, stuck in a loop. She feels that her life has become boring, and she wants to escape that mundanity, even going so far as to interfere with her sister's recent engagement and dump her loving partner, Sam. She gets her wish of an escape through a severe car accident that appears to have been orchestrated by her ghost father, Jacob. And when we next see Alma recovering in the hospital, we join her on a ride as her very concept of time and reality seems to be changing every minute. What has happened to Alma, and why does it seem her father orchestrated it? And how will this affect Alma's relationships with those around her? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel that that's a great way to just spring into talking about the cast that we have here. So, uh... Why don't we just kind of dig right into it? So we have Alma Winograd Diaz, again, played by Rosa Salazar. She is a 28-year-old early educator, I believe is the term, but I might be wrong. Anyways, she works with kids that are not in school yet. And yes, she seems to think that life is boring, and when things are boring, that sucks because it's predictable or whatever. And Somebody needs to tell her that 
the Chinese curse goes, I hope you have an interesting life. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's a Chinese curse. I hope you have an interesting life. Uh-huh. Because if it's interesting, you have no idea what the hell's going to go on. Mm. I mean, something, again, the, 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 the feeling that I get, even just from these two episodes, is that Alma absolutely likes it when her world when her life is exciting and so she doesn't like things just being boring she doesn't like looking at comparing two cans of beans you know that what is that that's what normal people do i'm i'm not normal (laughs) (laughs) instead of being named alma she should have been named abby Abby normal. Abby normal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we have uh, Becca Winograd Diaz, her younger sister, who is portrayed by Angelique Cabral. What would you, how would you describe Becca? Well, if Alma is black, then Becca is white. Mm. She is the exact opposite of Alma. She... She's taken and embraced her life and just continues on doing what, well... What she thinks is right, mm. which isn't wrong. Yep. But it's her own thing, which mm-hmm. I quite like. And that, yeah, yeah, she doesn't. That's... She doesn't go out to seek conflict. She looks to get rid of it and bring things back to the status quo. Whereas Alma's kind of a. Uh, she does not like she's the status a quo. Bit of a shit disturber. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, we see that just with her conduct, even within the first episode of what she does with her sister. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we'll get, we'll we'll get, get into that. Yeah, we'll get back to that uh, after we uh, go through all of this. And then, of course, we have Camila Diaz, their mother, uh, yes. portrayed by Constance Marie. <laughs> so what did you what did you use to describe her? Uh, yes. So Camila mm-hmm. is what. I like to use this term, and it is a wasp bomb. Now, wasp White is an Anglo-Saxon acro- Protestant. Yes, for wasp a, for, is a for a Mexi- for, for a Mexican Catholic mother. Yeah, it seems a little <laughs> odd to use a, an acronym like that, but in reality, it's not actually pertained to somebody who is a White Anglo-Saxon parent. Oh, okay, I okay. Reality is. It's more about their attitude. Mm. So she's the kind of person that if Alma came home with a girlfriend or to a dinner with a girlfriend instead of a boyfriend, she would be like, oh, that's fun. Like, that's that's so cute. And, you know, eventually if it gets pushed more and more, she'd be like, oh, it's just a phase. You'll get over it. It's okay. You know, they, they kind of angle everything and they use that... Uh, that passive aggressiveness mm. to to beat you down and work you into their box, right. not your own box. Uh, I, I actually find it a little poetic about the whole series of Undone. When uh-huh. you take a look at the idea of um, everything, everything unraveling, everything right? unraveling uh, she's definitely the way that she tries to control Alma. Well, of course. Like of it, course, it, she already wants this is, to break this out. Is a, this is a box in a box. Mm. Like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. With you saying the whole thing about if any of her daughters came home with a, with a girlfriend instead of a boyfriend, I just feel like there must have been some time in, like, earlier in her 20s that Alma probably did do that. Oh, probably. <laughs> she seems like the kind of person that would do that 
hopefully not in a hurtful way to the other party, but with I, her, like, how do we know? Well, th- I mean, that's a that's a good point, huh? I'm gonna. Oh, great! Now that I've planted this seed, I'm curious where that's gonna go in further discussions of the rest of the season. <laughs> ah, let's move on. Sam, uh, uh, who uh, does not have a last name at this time. <laughs> Uh, his uh, who is portrayed by Siddharth uh, Dananjay, and I'm probably butchering that, and I apologize. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Alma's boyfriend. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? How would you describe him from what we've seen? He um, he actually does kind of fit in, sort of with not entirely, but a little bit with uh, Camilla. Okay. Uh, he's very patronizing to her. Like, hmm. his idea of the of what a relationship is, ah, uh, yes, is very rigid and structural, mm-hmm. and it goes forward. It doesn't go off its tracks, right? Whereas Alma's, Alma's not very, about that. Yeah, she's she wants to focus on the here and now. And like, I'm not gonna say he's a bad person for wanting this and like mm-hmm. trying to do this. Uh, honestly. It's I no can di- see it's myself in than, him a little bit. It's not different than Becca wanting to get married, right? And just kind yeah. of go down that established path. Yeah, exactly. But uh, he is kind of, I guess you could say, barking up the wrong tree being with Elma, if you ask me. Mm, okay. All right. Um, I never had thought about patronizing, but I suppose I can even see that even when... They talk about when she says, we're not going to be one of those couples that, uh, you know, has matching outfits and things like that. And he does the whole, we could go as Batman and Bruce Wayne because they're not the same person. And then she's just like, you can just see her just being like, you're not listening. What did I just say? Yeah. (laughs) But that's... That's the joy of it. He is listening. He's paying attention. And that's why he makes that joke. Right, right. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just really get humor. Mm, mm. I get humor to the yeah. point where it's like. I, I I agree that it's not that he's not doing it because he's not listening to her. But I, I, again, I don't know. I sort of feel that that's sort of one of those read the room type scenarios and he misread. Yeah, I guess that makes some so. sense. But yeah, he's definitely pa- patronizing to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he thinks that this is just a phase for her. Right, and she's yeah. going to change. Yeah. Which, I mean, by all means... <laughs> well, she is about to change, but... <laughs> it's true. But like when it comes to... When, when it comes to you going into a relationship, you should expect the person to change, but you should never expect them to change for you yes which is kind of what he's coming off as yeah yeah i agree i agree next we have jacob winograd portrayed by bob odenkirk the ghost dad but technically he's not alive yeah so how so okay so how would you describe him so i mean he is a ghost in a way because he is dead but he's dead yeah Uh, i would say that he is a picture on the frame of the camera Oh, interesting. So, like, he's there, but what do we know sort of thing? Or just, like, we have this outline, you mean? Um, He's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shouldn't be influencing things that are happening around him, but he clearly is. Right. Uh, again, 
we don't know if he's really alive or dead. Right, because like, we're we only because we're only seeing him from Alma's perspective. Exactly. Um, so we're gonna get into this when we start talking about the whole um, story and everything. Right. Um, I feel, and I, I'm gonna break the ice right here. I guess I feel that this is a unreliable narrative, mm-hmm. which honestly is something that I really, really love in a lot of shows, games, TV, or a lot of what shows, movies. And, video games Mm -hmm. Uh, an unreliable narrative can be uh, done extremely well Mm -hmm. but it's very difficult to get right oh i agree my one of my favorite experiences with an unreliable narrative is hotline miami Mm, and that series is unbelievably good it's one that we might have to take a look at in here but uh yeah i don't know if he's there or not because mm-hmm. he doesn't really interact with the other people. He only interacts with Alma. So in that, uh, from that perspective then, <clears throat> excuse me, how would you view him in the story? Because, I mean, when we, when we see him, he's there to cause the car accident, and he says this to her. I mean, he says this to Alma, and, of course, Alma's just interpreting what the heck is going on after this traumatic event in the first place. So how accurate that is, we don't know. But other than that, all we see is he keeps resetting her cycle until she agrees to help him. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely a antagonist. So you don't think he's a... I shouldn't say good person because that's not what an antagonist is. Antagonists are just those that are causing... He literally bad things for the protagonist. He is literally not letting the plot resume. Yeah, that like literally. If you take a look at what antagonist mm-hmm. comes yes. from, yes. he is stopping the plot from moving forward. Yeah, and he is being you know has somewhat malicious intent towards Alma as well, especially with the whole nope, we're gonna do this again. Yep, you gotta you gotta keep uh, confronting your angry mother who is upset at you for having the audacity to get in a car accident (laughs) and your sister who is being supportive but still is all about the i'm getting married what the hell why did you do that (laughs) why did you do this to me why did you get in a car accident and why did you do it to hurt me yeah (laughs) exactly yeah 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 exactly how dare you have an accident that hurts me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah totally um rounding out um the people that will be important for that you know are going to play a larger part in the rest of the series we have reed hollingsworth who is portrayed by kevin bigley who is becca's fiance and she seems to like him alma is not a fan but i i Alma's not Alma's not a <laughs> Alma's not a fan of a lot of things and she, yeah you're right she's not dating him so why does it matter I think Alma needs to get a visit from her gratitude <laughs> gratitude what's oh yeah. oh yeah right what did you th- I mean we only got to see him for like a minute in in episode 1 and all we really got out of it was the whole we were like two pieces of a puzzle coming together and that create and that finished our puzzle. It was a really simple puzzle because it was only two pieces and it's just like, okay, he seems like 
he's certainly he's... not a match for Alma's intellect, but uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a good or bad thing. Again, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you? Why do you keep comparing him to Alma? Because Alma's you just want, focal do you, character. Do you just want to say this? Do you want to say that you really like Alma's actors? Actors? I do. Okay. I well, thought I've made go. that. I thought I made that clear when we were talking about Alita. No, no, it makes it very clear now that you're blushing. So, <laughs> but enough about that. No, no, I I think Reed is perfect for Becca. Absolutely perfect. Sure, he might not be the smartest guy in the world, but you don't have to be. And honestly, being smart can be a bit of a de- detriment. So, I feel that honestly, in some ways that's kind of the problem one of Alma's issues is that she is kind of that too smart for everyone else. It's it's not even that she's too smart for everyone else. She thinks that she's too smart. Yeah. It's more of a charisma thing than a intelligence thing. <laughs> and that can go either way. You yeah. think you're really you think you're really charismatic and it turns out you got a 7 out of 18. <laughs> yeah, you you just think that you're you're charismatic. <laughs> um, we also have uh, Reed's parents who, eh, their names are not important at this point because we see them the one time. What's really important about Reed's parents is what Alma has to say about them. And Alma is not wrong to not like Reed's parents. Especially the more that we will get to see them in the few times that we do. Because when we first talk about it, she's like, oh, you're getting married to Reed. What's wrong with Reed? There's nothing wrong with Reed. It's just where he comes from. Because his parents are super rich and they're classist and they're kind of racist. And... They're bigots. Yes. (laughs) And Becca doesn't seem to have a problem with it. But Alma does. Because Alma notices. Yeah. You know, we'll probably dive more into Reed's parents as we get further into them. But for right now, all we know is that Alma doesn't like them. And Alma's not necessarily wrong for not liking them. Next, we have uh, Tunde, portrayed by David Diggs, who uh, people that are really into musicals probably know who he is. I didn't, because I have never watched Hamilton. Oh, that's why he looks familiar. Yeah. You'd think that would be a major black spot on me, considering that I'm a singer. But I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not a fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda's stuff, so I just took a pass on it. I'm not... I have nothing against anyone involved in any of his stuff. It's just not for me. Which, of course, means that sometimes I have blind spots. Like, knowing who Duffy Diggs is. (laughs) Yeah, it happens. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Um, what do you, uh, so, uh, he is Alma's boss, uh, at the, at the daycare, at the, you know, for lack of a better term, at the daycare. What did you think of, uh, him and the brief moments that we got to see him? We got to see him before the accident, and then we see him when he comes to bring her the card that the kids made when she's in the hospital. So before the accidents, I kind of found, felt he was very flirty. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... Not necessarily like hitting on Alma, mm-hmm. but just the but way he, he talks just... is very, it's kind of flirtatious. Yeah. Uh, He's got that natural charisma, yeah, natural charisma going for him, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. So. <laughs> but he seems like a pretty stand up dude. He owns his own daycare. He takes care of, care of the kids and that. <clears throat> um, we only really see him in a work setting. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I think he's a pretty great guy. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's a good person to have around for Alma, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's kind of Alma's rock, mm-hmm. is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of rocks, then we have Father Miguel, portrayed by Tyler Posey, who is uh, the new priest at uh, Camilla's church. So Camilla rocks, really rocks likes don't him. make good good uh, shepherds, man. <laughs> However, Camilla looks to him as a rock. Yeah, I. Ooh, this 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 is a this is opening up a big can of worms. <laughs> Why? Because we're gonna start talking about religion. Kind of. <laughs> it's more of like. Of course, she likes him because uh... he has to be liked. That's how he makes his money. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm not saying he's doing this for money. Right. But part of why he is there is for the donations. Uh, You're right. You have to like him. Like you, You can't have a priest who isn't liked. And if you do, and you know this guy, that's a really bad sign. You are getting really close to something ugly. Because nobody else will deal with it. So they send the person in who doesn't... Like, it's that whole trope of like, oh, who becomes an adventurer? Not the everyday person. Right, yeah. So if you're dealing with a priest, this is the heads up for all four of our listeners. If you find a priest and you're dealing with a priest and he is not a likable person, be very careful because bad things happen around those people. Right. And it's not because they're bad people. Sometimes they are, but not always. It's just that... They send those, they take those people and they send them in to deal with the things that everybody else doesn't want to. Yeah. I mean, take a look at Van Helsing, the 2000s remake of it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with a huge jacked man in it. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine. (laughs) He becomes a werewolf. Sure. Huge jacked man, Wolverine, same diff. Yeah. The Wolverine that becomes a wolf that uh, also got bit by a vampire? Something like that? Anyways. Uh, you know, it's, that, that's my little tidbit of advice to everybody there, but I I don't think he's a bad person. He's a pretty, well, he's very open-minded, which of course is one of the reasons why Camilla is, wants Alma to come to, come to church so that she'll meet him. Yeah. To continue the brainwash. I mean, yeah, yeah. To, you know, see how open-minded he is. You can finish that word. You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're not wrong are these guys evangelicists <laughs> no, no they're 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 catholics they're okay. they're straight up roman catholics man <laughs> as someone right. who it's, just... it's the old uh it's the old brainwashing techniques yeah not the new ones. as someone who spent an entire year singing in one of those churches everything about him is not too far off from a lot of the younger uh priests that uh that i got to meet although uh, you know uh the ones who like when they go to sit down, they swing the chair around and they sit on it backwards. Um, no. And they talk about their Christian rock band and. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 definitely not that. But some of them were definitely more of kind of the whole. You know, we live in a world with all sorts of people. That's why I meet with people that are from other indigenous cultures and that's why i you know interact and have relationships with people that are outside of the catholic faith knock knock who's there colin 
Colin who? Colonizers. Uh, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> we all know they don't knock. Oh, 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 oh. Ooh. <laughs> Again, not wrong. But I, he's he plays an important role as the show will go on. That's all I'm gonna say. He okay. is important moving forward because of the fact that he is Camilla's rock in a way. Just like Tunde is Alma's rock, Father Miguel is Camilla's rock, and therefore he will be important. He will definitely be more important than Reed's parents. <laughs> but Whom I have already forgot the name of. <laughs> again, they're not important. They really aren't. <laughs> Reed has parents? I thought he just kind of he always what? was. He just sprouted out like a mushroom or something like that. He came out of the hills like the dwarves. <laughs> okay, so now that we've gotten through all of that, I mean, we can dig into what happens a little bit more. Um, one of the big things that I just want to uh, just get across is talking about uh, the depictions of disability in the show. Because, like, let's be real... The big hook for this is going to be mental illness, as we have seen with the second episode of Alma's Alma's concept of reality just falling apart. And I swear to God, we are not doing this with every single thing we watch. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know how we did this. Actually, that's not true because I told you we could have watched something else. We could have watched Carmen Sandiego, man. That is not about mental illness. <laughs> I swear. And anyone who's watched the new Netflix Carmen Sandiego hopefully agrees with me. Unless I'm just a really dumb TV watcher or something. No, it's not that you're a dumb TV watcher. It's just that sometimes you turn your brain off and you just watch it to enjoy it. Uh, I do the same with uh, The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. That's, that's an interesting choice for that. Couldn't just say The Simpsons or something? Oh, wait, no. That's probably not a... What was or last... Rick and Morty or... Uh, actually, that's not a bad idea. Rick and Morty's probably better. I'm just sitting here going, oh, man, when was the last time either of us watched a new Simpsons episode? Yeah, I don't think I've actually watched The Sim. I don't think I've seen The Simpsons in... Probably close to five, ten years. Yeah, I, I, um, like, I don't think I've actually seen a picture of The Simpsons other than like a meme. Right. Which, of course, if it five, was a meme, years. then it was probably from, you know, one of the first seven seasons or something like that, which would yeah. have been something that we, that would have been what we grew up with. Exactly. And that's why it makes it more relevant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> or more, more topical, I guess you could say. More so that's a bad example. Rick and Morty's probably a bit better. I mean, that, that's a good one because then you have the option of you can absolutely. Or you you can way overanalyze it and get into the whole. You have to have a a good a high IQ to truly appreciate Rick and Morty. Or you can do like the majority of people and just watch it because it's funny and it's well written. Another series that we could talk about that with would be Gravity Train. Don't you mean Infinity Train? Or Infinity Train, yeah. Are you thinking about Gravity Falls? Because I mean, yeah, <laughs> that they works too. Cross over a little. <laughs> We should move away from that, and we should go back to my original point, which was <laughs> mental illness, which, again, didn't necessarily plan for that when we were choosing our shows. It just happened to work out that way. <laughs> so, I mean, <clears throat> we have the whole thing about Alma is 
probably schizophrenic. I feel that that is a fair guess to make with what we've seen, especially with what her dad is talking about in terms of his mother, therefore her uh, her paternal, almost paternal grandmother was not well, and she talked to people that weren't there and things like that and was pretty obviously schizophrenic. So it's entirely possible that might be what's happening to Alma too. But Alma is also deaf. Yes, which is interesting to me because I took sign language. Really? Yeah. Cool. And my teacher was also deaf. I feel that that is, you know, kind of one of those things that just could happen. <clears throat> yeah, she was the sign language teacher instructor and they brought her in to teach it because she's actually a really good teacher. Um, so, uh, well, I mean, if we just stay on, I guess, the mental illness aspect of it for right now, what are your thoughts on it? What do you feel about Alma pre-car accident and then post-car accident? Because her personality doesn't change. So, I, I, I don't, I don't think it changes over, you know, from when we first meet her and then when she's waking up in the hospital. Yeah, but that's the that's the fun part about a false narrative. Oh. Okay? That's one thing that gets overlooked. And I think you may have overlooked it because, again, with a false narrative... We see you, what they think, right? You're seeing what they want to show you, not necessarily what they think. Oh, okay. 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 So, by all means, uh, in the second episode, when she has to wake up every single time and get mm -hmm. out of bed and reconfront everything... Right. That didn't happen. Right. right, yes, absolutely, which I so, think is one of the best kickers for the way they end that episode because she goes through all these different cycles until she finally gets it right and she doesn't, you know, insult her mom and her sister and instead is like, no, you're right, I'm sorry that I got in that car accident and I should have been thinking about how my actions would affect other people. There's still, you know, probably a nice thin layer of sarcasm. That's not a thin layer. That's like uh, that's like when the kid wants ice cream. Or no, not ice cream. That's like when the kid wants pie who doesn't like pie and they just smother it with whipped cream. And then, of course, as we finish that and then we cut to the credits and that's, of course, her mom saying, oh, she's woken up. So that means she's waking up for real. And now she has to go through all that again. So <laughs> for the real for real this time, I guess. So, yeah, that that is one thing that I did want to say is that with the false narrative, right? That's the thing I love about false narratives, that it always leaves you kind of stopping and going, wait, wait, was that are we sure? Are mm -hmm. you sure? Is that how everything was taken? Um, it's another reason why I like another movie that I'm just going to mention here. Hoodwinked. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Hoodwinked. Oh yeah. Hoodwinked. I I really love oh, Hoodwinked. Yes, yes. Uh, it's one of those movies that everybody like looks at me and they're like, "What the hell? You like that movie? Like what is wrong with you? The animation was terrible, the plot was bad." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Which It was totally unbelievably amazing. <laughs> which people are these that hate that movie? I can think of a few animation nerds that don't like it because it's got bad animation. Well, in that case, I mean, you don't like Big Mouth, but like Big Mouth is unbelievably good. I would say Hoodwinked is dated. Oh, absolutely. And so it doesn't have, so it's a rough watch these days. But that movie was a, like, 
everyone liked it when I when it came out. I remember everyone, you know, quoting it and stuff like that, or or singing songs from it. <laughs> we don't we song. don't need to yeah we don't oh. need to do that now. But <laughs> are you sure, Cameron? Maybe that's why everything got worse. <laughs> we need more hoodwinked in need, our life. Oh, I thought you were just going to say we need more singing, to which I was going to say I don't disagree with you on that. No, I won't disagree with you on that, too. Um, art is a very good thing to have. But let's get back on topic when it comes to this uh, yeah, yeah, mental yeah. illness and that. Mm-hmm. Personally, one thing that I did kind of notice and kind of, it, well, not notice, it's one thing that kind of crosses my mind is. Um, there is a study out there and it's something that happens to a lot of people mm-hmm. who learn, who decide to take up uh, studying psychology in that. And it is that once they read through the books and they, uh, you know, they say the symptoms of this are X or A, B, C, D, right. They kind of take it on and then they think, Oh, do I have this? Because I have these symptoms, even though they just read it and they kind of internalize it without realizing it. Mm. Uh, I feel like with Alma, because she found out that her mother or her, her grandmother, grandmother was schizophrenic, she kind of probably internalized that because when you think about it, the family did try to hide it from her. Mm. So, of course, the curiosity sets in, why are they hiding this from me? Right. And then they think, oh, this is just who I am. And then that kind of spirals out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where, like, all of this could potentially just be made up in her mind. She wants this to happen. <laughs> and, of course, we see it from her point of view. Yep. Boy, that would be... Uh, like, w- this is like the worst version of, it was all a dream. I, I was this is just a very I was just, dark, dirty version of this. I was just <laughs> thinking that. I sat there going, oh, oh no, there's a ah, there was a there was a really famous example of this. I think it was either in the nineties or the eighties or something. There was a there was like a really big show, I think it was called Dallas or something like that. And because of like I think it was behind the scenes drama or something like that. And so um for a following seat, uh, I think there was like one of the big actors was like in contract negotiations or something. And so they weren't sure if they were going to come back for future seasons or something like that. Anyways, what ended up happening is the entire season was a dream from one of the characters. Oh, wow. The entire season. Oh. And then when they came back for the next season, they were like, oh, that that none of that happened. I think that was also because they killed off a couple of the people because of the whole contract negotiations. And so then when the contract negotiations went through, and so everyone was able to come back, they're like, ah, never mind. That person didn't actually die. It was all a dream. All 22 episodes that you watched last year doesn't matter anymore. I hope, I mean, (laughs) that would be, they wouldn't necessarily have to do it as a dream for this, though. I mean, it's well, they not don't, a but that's dream, the joy right? of that's the joy of the uh, unreliable narrative, right, right? Right. It's not necessarily a dream. It's that this is what she wants to happen. Hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I can see that too, and I, I like that. I like that interpretation. It's Again, really cool. It's it's only two episodes in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at we- the same time, on top of it, like, if this is like. 
When it comes to people, uh, I guess this is something I should say because I do have a lot of experience in first aid in that. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the things that kind of stood out to me because believe it or not, up here in Alberta, when you take a first aid course, they actually talk about mental illness. Yep. It is a real important thing. Yep. And it has actually led to the injury of, pe of first aiders, the people who first respond. Yep. So one thing that I've always done and I've internalized about it, but... I never really realized, and I guess it was a good thing I internalized it because it turned out to be the right thing to do so far. Mm -hmm. Again, with first aid, everything changes. That's why you have to get it all updated because they find out, oh, by all means, if they have a suckling chest wound, uh, you can make a, uh, a, a patch to let the blood out, but also allow them to breathe. Ah, right. Um, you know, those like little tidbits like that. And then they found out, well, maybe you shouldn't be teaching people this because that's a fairly advanced thing to do. And, it's they, not might, necessary. and they might get it wrong and might, therefore Like, yeah, make it's it worse. a stressful situation. Yep. You might get it wrong. It's like the whole, can you perform a tracheotomy with, you know, uh, a, with a, a, a straw and a knife? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could, but you could also kill this person. Yep. I've done that in D&D. <laughs> Not proud to say it. But anyways, uh, so one thing that I do have to do, and even though that I'm getting all of these red flags popping up, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt, of the doubt to the protagonist. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to say, sure, she sees all these things. I'm going to take the stance of if it's real to you, then it means something mm -hmm. and it's real, you know, that's the important thing. Right. So I'll hold out for her. So kind of going back to the other aspect too, is that Alma's also deaf, which is also something that I feel like there are shows where they'll have a, a side character or something who is deaf and maybe the main, the main character can communicate with them and it's like their brother or something like that. But I can't think of a lot of media where the main character is deaf. And I mean, Alma is not deaf-deaf, considering that she has hearing aids. But if she didn't have them, she would be deaf. As we see many times, or even just in the first couple episodes, where she takes her hearing aids out if she doesn't want to talk to people. Or when she wakes up in the hospital and she doesn't really know what's going on and she can't talk to her mom and sister because her her, her hearing aids aren't in. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, though, Miles? Uh, there's a movie that one of the main characters is deaf that I remember seeing. It was from 1991. I think it was called Wildflower. But, uh, like, I get what you mean. There, there does need to be more representation of the handicapped people. Uh, the first thing that always comes to my mind when you saying this is uh, an old movie re referred to as the Jackie Chan, or not movie, an old show referred to as Jackie Chan Adventures. It's a cartoon with Jackie Chan. And uh, Uncle always mm -hmm. saying, no, not handicapped, handicapable. Right. You know, just because somebody <laughs> has a disability doesn't mean that they're like not able to be involved in society. In fact... Uh, we, there's tons of evidence out there that people with disabilities were still fully used and mm -hmm. super useful and helpful in lots of different situations. Well, and that's what I mean, right? Uh, when I say that I like this, this depiction happening is because of the fact that it's not something you see. You don't often have your main character, your focal character be blind. 
unless you're watching Daredevil. And even then... He's not his, even that bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I said, and that's cheating. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, A Quiet Place, because the daughter's deaf. That that's, was another good yes. one, yeah. Um, and that's a good recent one, too. Um, <clears throat> but again, it's not something that happens too often, and I like that they're doing it here because I feel that it normalizes it. Again, we show that someone who is who has a handicap or has a disability, they're still leading their life just fine. She goes to work, she pays her rent, and she goes shopping and things like that, and she carries on her life. Again, she has assistance because she has hearing aids, but like she still has a disadvantage from people that whose ears just work fine in yeah. a way. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth about it. Uh, personally... I, I have to kind of take a Brad Williams approach on this. Uh, for those who don't know who Brad Williams is, he's actually a uh, little person comedian. Mm-hmm. He actually prefers the term dwarf. Uh, a lot of people don't like it, and the, the community doesn't like that. He likes it, though. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason why he likes dwarf is because he got fired from a job in, what is it, San Francisco. Uh, he was a sports host. Mm-hmm. And he kind of poked fun at the Giants, which is their team. <laughs> and uh, they asked him to apologize, and he said no, because he's not going to root for <laughs> to name the Giants. <laughs> As a dwarf, I will not root for the Giants. Dwarves hate Giants. Yes. We get, uh, we get bonuses when we attack them. <laughs> exactly. That's why it went so well. But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, what he says is that, yeah... Media is coming a long way with kind of like being including everybody in that. But when it comes to movies and TV shows, they can cross a line mm-hmm. where all of a sudden you realize that all they're doing is going, hey, look at us, what we did. We're going to pat ourselves on the back. We're, we're the good guys now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I absolutely get that. And I, I agree with Actually, that part, too. It, it kind of reminds me when I was playing D&D with, some, uh, with a new fr- group of friends that I uh, mm-hmm. recently found. But uh, we were talking about something and everybody's like, oh, I don't know if you can really, if they could do that. There was a dispute about, uh, we're playing through the Tome of Annihilation campaign. Ooh, nice. Uh, and there's kind of a whole dispute thing going on between uh, the... Flaming Fists, mm-hmm. who are colonizers in the Chithalt area. And uh, one of the characters is kind of, like, I don't think it's the person. Uh, mm-hmm. The person doesn't seem like that kind of person at all. But his character is very much like, oh, they should be happy that we're bringing civilization to them and all that. Yeah, okay. And, you know, he's, he's got that going. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I kind of threw at him the fact, because I'm Métis, and I don't look it at all. I Mm -hmm. I kind of said, you know, yeah, you know, it's kind of like when I say that I stole my own land. (laughs) And the whole group kind of turned and looked at me like, you can't say that. (laughs) And then I said... you're like, why not? And I said, why not? Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. exactly... Mm -hmm. I gave them that look of like, of course I can, because I am Métis. I I am on both sides. I got screwed over by both groups of people. (laughs) So, uh, you know, screw all of you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I I get it, and I just feel that in a way, 
when I also found out that, you know, the, the creators of BoJack Horseman were making this, I just sat back and I said, you know what, considering what we got with BoJack Horseman, I am completely trusting in that they're not going to Hollywoodify uh, a disability. Yeah. <clears throat> That's actually really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens all too often. Because, I mean, we have lots of examples of uh, showing mental illness for all of the negatives in BoJack Horseman. All different types. From all different types of characters. And a lot of different walks of life. Yes. As well. Yes, that as well. Um, And that, too, is something that you don't really see depicted. And this was something that just stood out to me in the second episode here that was really shocking. And, I mean, we see this in one of the cycles when Alma is talking to Becca and uh and becca's like this is great you know you can go through physiotherapy and i'm and i mean uh you know hopefully you won't be in a neck brace or anything by the time the wedding comes around and almost like why should that matter shouldn't you just be happy that i am here and whatnot and then she goes into this whole thing about oh you just did this for attention and then we and then alma gets upset because she's like what do you mean i did this for attention you always do this you know, when I, I ace my SATs and uh, you, you know, drop out of college or something like that. Or, you know, I went, I went a swim meet and, uh, and you cut yourself. And so everyone's paying attention to you. And then when we see the flashback when she's talking with her dad and we see what happened. And I think it's fair to say that Becca is being really cruel to Alma because Alma didn't cut herself. Alma tried to kill herself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that whole, uh, she uh, didn't cross the tracks. She went yes, down. Yes, she the, went yeah. down the road. And we see that, too. We see, like, they don't super detail it. But you can see the outline of where the cut mark is. And the fact that it's a straight line that goes down from the, the wrist, wrist down means that she tried to kill herself. So yeah, it wasn't for the attention, and you don't see something like that no, on that's, TV. That's something that I think a lot of producers kind of like pull away. You know, they don't want to make that all known information. Uh, it's sort of like how everybody says, "Oh, you can build a bomb out of just household items." Oh yeah, right. Everybody knows <laughs> you can make bombs out of household items, but nobody goes into detail how to do it. Right. I right. recently, one of my friends and I were talking about it, and he's. Uh, He's a good guy. I, I, I would trust him with my life. And uh, he actually said to me, like, Miles, is it weird that I can take a vehicle and make a claymore? <laughs> and I'm like, well, how do you do that? And he kind of goes through it all. I'm like, that's really easy. And no, that's not weird. That just shows how good you are to, at your ingenuity and your ability to, you know, so take something and turn it into something else. You know, that could come in handy, you know, in an apocalypse situation or something. Oh, don't kid I... yourself. We're in an apocalypse. It's just very boring. <laughs> I take it this has something to do with airbags, right? I won't say. Oh, oh, oh you're... Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, uh, movie and TV shows, and they show somebody who commits suicide, they always show it the improper way because... Right. That way, if somebody does decide that they're going to replicate what they see, because let's let's face it, every adult is just a child. 
we're just a little more experienced. We are still all children. Even even the 90-year-olds are still children. <laughs> right. We are still impressionable yes. to a certain extent. So when this stuff kind of happens, there's a, still a chance of them being able to save the life of them or the people around them by not actually showing them what to do or, you know, how to be efficient, I guess you could say. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's... It's very strange, and it's a little... For somebody who has seen a lot of really grotesque, um, graphic, mm -hmm. very, very heavy media, especially when I was very young, starting at, like, age six to eight... How old were you when you saw Starship Troopers? Uh, when it first came out, I saw it. I love that movie. It was amazing. I love, I love that this is apparently going to be our benchmark going forward. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because I've seen all these things and I've seen, like, I grew up with uh, basically unrestricted internet. So I've seen uh, videos yeah. of people yeah. getting stabbed in the throat and... Uh, or Other did you, things like that. Or did you see that uh, that 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 one uh, popular one that was? I think it was like a, a Chechenian rebel or something beheads a guy. Oh yeah, I've seen that yeah, one too. Yeah. So because I've seen all this stuff, it's kind of become like my norm. Mm -hmm. But now that it's kind of been blurred, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of been removed from the spotlight. I mean, I guess this is kind of the cycle of everything. Uh, media is kind of getting a little bit more of a uh, restriction on it. Uh, because of that, seeing something like this kind of makes me go like, whoa, I actually did that right. You know, like mm -hmm. that's uh, like a, that kind of made me st almost stumble a little bit. Right. Which was, I don't know, it makes me feel, makes me feel like a little startled mm -hmm. at myself for like going like, why is this weird? Mm -hmm. Because... I used to see stuff like that a lot, mm -hmm. but so but but it's you, like... but it's from a different perspective that you saw those things. So like you you have your idea of if I'm just watching random stuff on the internet, and especially if it's you know stuff that was specifically meant to gross you out, so you went to a specific place to find it. Whereas you're watching TV, you're not expecting that to be there because they don't allow that on there because it's desensitized. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. That You got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for taking my thoughts and turning it into words. You are very welcome. <laughs> I have a meme for this, but it doesn't translate very well on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of memes don't because of the whole visual aspect. But we've found a way. We've still found a way to communicate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, the joys of memeing. Well, there was one last thing I remember you mentioned, um, which again had to do with Alma talking again, well, about her um, her disabilities, right? Uh, oh, oh, when her dad was uh, talking to her about uh, when her, she would, her, her hearing aid. Well, it was more that when she got her hearing back and she could describe silence because she was living with silence and how she described how silence was alive and he's using this to talk about how she has awoken again with the whole uh with what? the car accident yeah, but, her... but there was something that you had said about how how your reaction to silence is so yeah um i remember that scene uh what the yeah what like you said what they're talking about is when she's coming into her powers 
Yeah. Um, don't know if I'd use the vagueness of Awoken, but uh, coming, yeah, basically coming. It seems to be the because she accepts what is going <clears throat> to happen because this is like the very end of the second episode. I when she said it sounds alive, I personally silence makes me feel very uncomfortable. Really, um, you you mean like absence of sound, right? In yes, that silence, yes. yeah. I I mean, I guess it's partially because I'm a city guy, <clears throat> but I do spend a lot of time out in the forest, and I'm totally fine being out in the forest. But, but I don't not, like nature's absence. Nature's not silent. Yeah, nature's, nature's not, not silent. silent. So I have no idea what she was talking about. To me, it just makes me feel super uncomfortable. Uh, I've actually done some work at uh, one of the hospitals here in Edmonton mm-hmm. uh, as a maintenance worker, and I actually spent, like, I wanted to get away from everything, just so I could like get some paperwork done, so I closed myself in a uh, sound. Di- uh, oh, you actually di- went into one of those places. Yeah, the sound uh, removal yeah, chambers. Yeah, yeah. And oh my god, I that is torture. That is absolutely torture. I went in there because uh, you don't get cell service there. I just wanted my paperwork done, and like everybody wanted to get me. They, everybody wanted me that day for some reason. Mm-hmm, right. And uh, I just wanted to get it done. And yeah, so I jumped in there for like, I, I planned on being in there for like half an hour to get it done. I, I don't think I last 10 minutes. <laughs> but like, it's so weird to not hear yourself talk uh, because yeah. that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Like yep. to be in true silence, honestly, people who I, I've kind of thought about this and I might actually do it this summer mm-hmm. uh, where you go to a sort of a, a retreat for a while Yeah, and uh, you don't talk. And you just make as little noise as possible, and you just kind of separate yourself from all of that. Mm-hmm. And because I, I kind of have a little bit of tinnitus, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it has something to do with the fact I shoot firearms. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has something to do with the fact I like my, you know, my all my music, and I like to listen to it loud. I like listening to movies, TV shows. I love playing Escape from Tarkov, which is a very sound dependent game. And yeah, uh, when we're and I'm watch- also a construction <laughs> worker. So uh, I, I get that exposed to me a lot. And yet when we watch movies, Miles, you're constantly going, ah, dang it, I need to turn that up so I can hear them. And then going, ah, turn that down, that's too loud. Yeah. So I'm thinking like maybe to like deal with a little bit of my tinnitus if I go to one of these re- retreats, maybe it would help. <laughs> mm, maybe. maybe I'll just like go live in the bush for like a, a week. But that's an interesting perspective because you're not terrified of it but you don't like it whereas alma's reaction is like whoa this is awesome effectively it's true but at the same time i don't know could it have something to do with her implant like i don't know i need to talk to somebody that has one of those and ask them that question i've never had the ability to ask them that question mm-hmm. next deaf person i see i'm gonna stop them in the street if i see their uh, their hearing thing <laughs> And I'm going to say, hey, I got a question for you. I saw this in a TV show, and I just want to understand your perspective on this because, personally, I don't like it. Actually, I have a friend who has a similar uh, setup to to what Alma has, like, complete with as soon as she takes the, the cochlear implant out, she's, like, cannot hear anything. Mm-hmm. So I I should ask her. I would actually like to know. I, I know. I'd like to, I'd like to know that. Maybe it has something to do with that. Mm. Um. Maybe. Again, it could just be her. It could just be me. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to say that it's not me. Yeah, <laughs> it it yeah, absolutely yeah. could be me. But I do not like the silence. It just never. It was never for me. Fair enough. 
Well, I think this is a good place to wrap it up for this time. So uh, you're definitely you're definitely prepared to go all the way with this show, huh? Yeah, just like Becca did with that uh, bartender. <laughs> oh yeah, that's coming back. <laughs> I, I mean. They, of they, course it does. We just were showing that time is not a straight arrow. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I mean, that that's one of those Chekhov's guns that you just can't leave that unfired is more what I meant. But we'll, we'll come back to that next time when we uh, cover the next few episodes. I think we're going to be doing the next three episodes since they contain another arc of... Alma's development. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Until that time, I'm Cam. And I'm Miles. And we'll see you next time. Bye.